welcome to the Clemson Foothills Church Podcast. We're glad you found us. Join us as we discover what the Bible says about following Jesus, loving God, and serving one another. Feel free to visit our website at clemsonfoothills.com or check out the Clemson Foothills Church YouTube channel. We love learning what God says to us in His Word, and we hope this podcast helps you to do that as well. With all that said, let's dive into the episode for this week. Um, so we finished, we went through the book of first Peter. Okay. That may be a high point for you. You just read an entire book of the Bible. You might've gone, man, I've never, that's awesome. Okay. That's one of those things you may go, I got my first book down. That's fantastic. Okay. We went through all of that. You can go back and listen to any of the classes. Okay. Online, I think, except for Alex's. And I, <laughs> I heard that was like the best one too. So, uh, but, um, uh, but going through, because we're trying to explore this topic of faith and growing in faith and growing in this idea of, man, anything is possible of this God. Uh, uh, you know, I, I kind of wonder sometimes, why am I surprised when miracles happen? We're following a God who invented miracles. I'm like, this isn't a miracle to him. It's just normal when those things happen. Okay, but this is a topic, though, that can be really oversimplified and we don't, I want us to wrestle with this. I want us to wrestle with this idea of faith and our own faithfulness. Because I know it'd be great to sit here and go, man, I've achieved it. I've got great faith. I've reached the pinnacle of faith. In fact, I have to not look at mountains because they might move. That's how much faith I have, right? I have to like avert my eyes from mountains, okay? I don't think we're there, okay? But here's the deal is, is the deeper what I've learned is the deeper you kind of plumb into the depths of what faith is, the more like, it gets kind of scary. Uh, it calls us out further, right? It's, it's like sometimes faith is just getting in the boat, but then faith says, no, come on out into the water. Like, you know, and, and that's a good thing. You may be going, okay, I have lived faithfully, and it has taken me from the shore into the boat, and I'm out in the boat with Jesus, and that's awesome because it's been a step of faith. But Jesus doesn't stop there. He goes, okay, now come on out and take a step on the water, and you may be there. you got to kind of get a picture in your mind. Where am I on that journey? And it might just be Jesus going, just come and sit in the boat, but I don't like water. <laughs> Is it Come and trust me, all right? Trust who I am. Have faith. Here's what God is really telling us. Have faith in my faithfulness, not my faithfulness, but his faithfulness, okay? That he's not lying. He's not tricking us. He's not asking us to do something and then pulling the rug out from underneath us. Everything he says is absolutely true. He's saying, please just trust that. I'm not going to put you in this situation that you can't do. I, I'm a, listen, God is about freedom. God is about, man, uh, he, he put his Holy Spirit inside his followers, and he's trying to, I, more and more, it seems like he's trying to help us unleash, like get all the stuff out of the way to let the Holy Spirit take over. So I want you to think about where am I on this? All right. Maybe you're way far away from the boat. You know, if you don't know what I'm talking about, you remember when Peter walked on water? And sometimes, you know, we kind of make fun of the guys that are sitting in the boat. But I'm going, I don't know. I mean, there's more. I mean, it sounds like we would probably be those guys, you know is they were there. It doesn't seem like they got rebuked for anything. But 
Um, I, I want us to hear, like, what is God calling you saying, come on, another step? Even if it's a little bit scary, even if you think that water won't hold me. We're going, but no, that's a God who can make that water solid. And whatever that is in your job or in a relationship or any of those things. So we want to be able to wrestle with this, not just think of, okay, what can I go and do to be more faithful? We'll talk about that too, all right? But let's listen to God. And, and those, most of the time for me, the places where I'm going, I'm really scared to go to this place. I'm really scared to take this step. That's usually where God is like, no, no come on. I don't know. And, and you want to know what? Who our best friends become at that point? Satan. Satan's going, you don't have to do that. Like, really? Who would, what God would ask you to do that? And what, like, no, don't let anybody make you feel guilty. Don't let anybody make you feel judged. I mean, this is, Satan is just all like this going, oh, yeah, let me stay comfortable. That's exactly what Satan wants us to do. Stay nice and comfortable. Avoid pain and avoid fear at all costs, right? Have you ever heard the statement, uh, oftentimes when people talk about the Bible, um, they'll say that hopefully the Bible will comfort the afflicted and afflict the comfortable. Okay, I hope this does that. I'm not sure which one you are, but I hope if you're feeling afflicted that there's comfort that comes from what we're reading if you're feeling comfortable, I hope you get disturbed by what we read. That's a good thing because it's going to make us get in there and go, man, I don't know. Because we're going to read some things here. Wow, man, it's good stuff. Turn over to James chapter 2, okay? Um, James, one of those books, uh, f- kind of controversial, actually. Um, really strong fit. We're going to dive into some of those controversial parts over the next couple weeks. Um, because you know what, um, there, there are parts, have you ever had that happen to you? You read the Bible and you see a part that maybe you didn't know, or you don't agree with, and you go, I don't want to look at that part anymore. Like there were actually parts of the Bible I would skip over, right? Just different ones where I would go, no, 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 I don't agree with that. I don't believe in that. I don't, so let me skip it. And you know, again, you know what faith calls us to do is, Hey, it's in the Word of God. Let's stop for a second and take a look at it. And what does this mean and why is it in there? All right. And so in James chapter 2, um, we're going to start in verse 14. And uh, we'll go ahead and read it through to the end of the chapter here. So uh, James 2, verse 14. James, write, what? James writes, What good is it, my brothers, if someone says he has faith, but does not have works, can his faith save him? If a brother or sister is without clothes and lacks daily food, and one of you says to them, go in peace, keep warm and eat well, but you don't give them what the body needs, what good is it? In the very same way, faith, if it doesn't have works, is dead by itself. But someone will say, you have faith and I have works. Show me your faith without works and I will show you faith from my works. You believe that God is one, you do well. The demons also believe that and they shudder. Foolish man, are you willing to learn from that? Are you willing to learn that faith without works is useless? Wasn't Abraham our father justified by works? When he offered Isaac, his son, on the altar, you see that faith was active together with his works, and by works, faith was perfected. 
So the scripture was fulfilled that says, Abraham believed God and it was credited to him as righteousness. And he was called God's friend. You see that a man is justified by works and not by faith alone. And in the same way, wasn't Rahab the prostitute also justified by works when she received the messenger uh, and sent them out by a different route? For just as the body without the spirit is dead, so also faith without works is dead. Okay. That's a good one. But I'm going to tell you, this will start a fight too. I mean, this, this hits us right in our American Christianity. All right, because we're going, boy, I don't know, man. I mean, this is really tough stuff. I want you to notice a couple things as we read this. James uses two familiar stories. He uses Abraham sacrificing his son Isaac, and he references Rahab helping the spies, right? So if me and you, if we were Jews reading this, you know, it's kind of like he's pointing them towards, go do some homework later. Like, y'all wrestle with this. I'm going to give you two stories that come from your own history and our own history, right? Because it's kind of hard to argue. Isn't it easy to argue when it's not yours? And then when you're going, hold on, he's talking about my past? And he's saying, yeah, y'all go, because you believe about, you believe the story of Rahab. You believe Abraham. So he kind of gives you homework right there. And maybe that's great homework for us is going out and saying, maybe I need to have a quiet time on Abraham and Isaac and on Rahab, because he's saying this is what's illustrating this point, okay? And he simply is saying, you know, faith without works is, look at the words he used, dead, useless. He questions, can it even save you, all right? And so there's that side of it going, wow, so, man, there's a word that comes up. There's three words that come up, okay, that, um, is like our deflector shield to discipleship. Us too. And Christ, just overall Christianity. Works-based. I'm not about works-based religion. I mean, my goodness, you'll have everybody in America following you to make that statement. I'm not about works-based salvation. And now all of a sudden the deflector shield's up and I don't have to listen to anything. No, no, no. There's a, there's a stronger word though. Legalism. No, 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 we can't be legalistic, though. So the brother of Jesus here that's writing this is espousing a false doctrine of works-based and legalism in order to be like Jesus. You know, we've got to go, hold on. Is there a chance we could be wrong? Is there a chance we've listened to the world? Right, because here's the thing is, once you throw up legalism, you want to know what happens now? It becomes defensive. How are you going to argue against that? You're going to argue about being legalistic? No, no, I am legalistic, by golly. <laughs> this is, of course not. But I'm going to tell you, this deflector shield, here's what I've learned over the years, and many of you have as well. Satan demonizes the very things that give us the greatest freedom. And so when we look at this and we go, no, 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 I'm not going to listen to this because faith without, no, 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 that's not even, in, and Martin Luther didn't even think this book should be in the Bible. Okay. And Cohen. Hold on a minute. Let's take a hard look at what he's saying because this is really strong words because he's saying, you know, if you just have faith. But let's keep it simple too because here's, here's what ends up happening. You get into this and, and you're like, hold on a minute. I have to really become a theologian to understand this. No. <laughs> no, 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 no. Here, here's the deal. We've got to keep it simple. We have got to keep it simple 
all right? Because you can wrap yourself in circles and you're going all over the place. And what about Galatians and what about Romans and what about all these kind of things? And next week we're going to preach about that. Okay, because you may think in your mind, but hold on a minute. Paul writes something else in Romans, and we're going to read that next week, and we're going to dissect that next week as well, okay? But we've got to keep it simple, all right? And so when we keep it simple, you go, okay, well, what is he saying here? Just if we were plopped into, onto planet Earth, never having any history at all of Christianity, never heard of it before, and somebody came up and they gave you the book of James, and you read it, and you got to this place, and you read these verses, what would you walk away thinking? I think a pretty simple message. Faith without works is dead. <laughs> okay. If somebody came and asked you, what did you learn from those 12 verses? Well, if I say I have faith, but there's nothing backing it up in my life, that's dead. Yeah. Right? I mean, I think that's like the simple, right? The people that probably get this the best are probably our youngest kids. They're going, yeah, that's simple. Of course, that's what you would get from this, right? We want to keep it simple. Um, when I was, long time ago, when I was like in second grade, and you would write stuff, and my teacher would always tell me this. Don't tell me, show me, right? I mean, when you write, don't just tell me something, like expound on that a little bit. And I, I heard this all the way through college, right? Which I should have learned probably from seven years old. But this is really what this is talking about. Don't tell me, show me. Don't tell me you're a Christian, Okay? Now, there's a time to do that. Don't get crazy, okay? Don't be like, I make sure to never tell anyone I'm a Christian <laughs> because I want them to notice it. Well, okay, it's probably not going to work too well, okay? So don't go, don't put that in your notes. Never tell someone. But here's the idea of, of the challenge here is, is there any part of my life that matches up with the premise that I'm saying when I'm a Christian, which is I am following Jesus. I am his student, is there a part of my life that you would go, or is, is my life, is that what it looks like? Is it illustrated by this idea of, I can tell people I'm a Christian, but if they say, why? Because I go to church on Sunday. That doesn't make us Christians. Right? Well, I read my Bible, but that doesn't make us Christians either. Right? I mean, there's a lot of things we can like fill in our time, and we go, well, that's why I'm a Christian. All right? Instead of going, hold on a minute, is, is, is my life screaming this out? And here's the thing about this, is following Jesus is very counterculture. Very countercultural, okay? It doesn't fit into normal culture, all right? It just doesn't, and it, it shouldn't. So that's the reason Jesus said all of his followers will be persecuted at some point. Because he's going, you're going to live in a way that the rest of the world is going to go, I, I don't like that. I don't agree with that, right? Here's just a couple of quick notes, okay? Here's the idea of just a little bit of who this Jesus is. Okay, he's sacrificial. He says, I lay my life down. He's a servant, Matthew 20, 28. Jesus said, I didn't come to be served. Have you ever heard a king say that before? A president, a anybody say, I didn't come to be served. I came to serve. And I don't mean before they were elected. I don't mean that. I mean, like, they meant it. Like, this was about, like, let me serve, okay? Um, he was a disciple maker. Jesus said, I came here to seek and save that which is lost. A foot washer. I mean, can you imagine being in that room, right? John 13, can you imagine being in that room? And Jesus, as he's preparing to die, 
kneels down in front of you and washes your feet. Right? Can you imagine? And you're going, hold on a minute, dude. You're our leader? <laughs> you're washing my feet? He's like, yeah, now you do it to others. Okay? Not again. He's not saying go and you have to wash everyone's feet, but he's saying here's the posture I'm taking. Okay? Notice there's two different postures. I can't wash Ben's feet standing over him. I've got to kneel down in front of him. He's got to be above me, and I have to be below him, right? And that's very different because what the world teaches is, no, we want to be above people so we look down on them, and that's when we're secure, okay? But Jesus, the king, he says, no, 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 actually, I take a knee and serve. And he's teacher and Lord. That means he is the king. He actually has full authority over anything. And so... Very simply put, all right, and if you're taking notes and you want to, like, think of something throughout the week, you would go, this is the guy we're following. We may say we have faith. Then we go, have I sacrificed anything at all? Does anything take a backseat to my, you know, to the will of God? And this is what I fear, okay? I fear that it's really easy to turn Jesus into like he's so understanding. He'll understand that I go and do what I want to do before he wants to do it. He'll, he'll understand that I'm not sacrificial. And think of the different ways, man. When you start digging into sacrificiality with time and money, here, to me, those two things show us more about our heart than anything. Okay? This is why faith has to be wrestled with. Because you don't just sit here and go, okay, I'm good, got it, let's go. It's wrestling with, hold on a minute, I like money and I like my time. You probably do too, not mine, but yours. You probably like that, right? You love having time to do what you want and you like money, okay? And we're going, hold on a minute, but I follow a man who gave everything, right? Faith without works is dead. Okay. This maybe hopefully is the aha moment maybe. And you're going, oh my goodness, I haven't even paid attention to this. Jesus was a servant. He didn't come to be served. Us, we, our community here. Wherever we permeate into this area, from Greenville to wherever you go to work or to school or whatever, We're supposed to permeate as servants. Like everywhere we go, every home we go into, every store we go into, it doesn't matter if you go to a restaurant and a waitress is there to serve you, serve them. Well, how do I do that? Don't be difficult. Okay, my goodness. I've been so embarrassed with disciples at restaurants sometimes because they give the waitress, they're like, this is what I want, how I want, ah. And I'm going, easy, man. I mean, can you eat that piece of meat? You know? But the thing is, is going, hold on, if I go in there as a servant, I can still have my say. I'm not going to eat fish if I order steak, okay? Sort of. I'm, not, I'm really not, okay? But, but the thing is, is that doesn't mean that I have to bark, and that doesn't mean I have to order and lord it over them. But when I go in as a servant, I'm thinking about their needs. I'm thinking about all the people the waiter or waitress has been getting the business from all day. <laughs> I've been thinking about all the people that came in and came out and didn't leave a tip. I'm thinking of all the things that this waiter or waitress has to go do, and they're trying to to make money to do it, and it's hard to do that, right? And going, hold on, if I'm sacrificial and I'm a servant, you want to know what? And just, hey, man, just just think about this a little bit. Do you ever punish 
people who are helping you because they didn't give you good service? I'm not going to leave a tip. Really? Have you never had a bad day? But you're going to punish them. Because that's what God does to us, doesn't he? He says, I'm going to punish you because you didn't have a good day today. Have you ever experienced that? I, I don't think we have, okay? Is God going, you know what? Let me make sure you know I don't love you. You did something wrong? What are you thinking doing something wrong? All right? So I'm going to withhold a whole bunch of stuff from you. I'm going, hold on a minute. In my worst times as a non-Christian, God didn't withhold very much from me. He lavished grace on me. All right? So I'm just saying, when our mindset is different, you want to know what? We don't punish. Like, I'll show them. They're going to bring my, you know, pancakes out, not, you know, the way I want them. Really? Why don't you give them more of a tip? Maybe they're having a bad day. Right? We're following a sacrificial servant, foot washer, disciple maker. That sounds more like him. Right? And it's this idea of permeating the world, like, What's really neat on Sundays and Wednesdays are the times we do get to come together. It's so, it's fun, it's inspiring, it's, we get to praise God together. But then we do what we're supposed to do and permeate the world, all right? And just kind of like go in throughout the week, okay? And it's this right here of going, no, my faith and my works will work together. Because it, remember the story about Abraham. Think about that. What if Abraham were to say, I trust you. We'll go and offer your son Isaac as a sacrifice. No, I won't, but I trust you. Two separate messages. Yeah, don't we do that too, though? It's, hold on a minute. You are the God of peace. This is for me. I've shared this with you. My word for the year that I'm like diving into is peace because I found, wow, I, you want to know what? That is something I am sorely lacking in inside throughout my entire life as a disciple. I'm going, I need to learn about this because if God is the God of peace, and I'm not experiencing that in a way that I can share that with other people. There's something wrong, not with God, but with me, right? And so it's that idea of, 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 of just, you know, digging into this and going, man, am I consistent? Is my life consistent with this? God, you are this, and, and my, now, understand something, right? Making the decisions to do these good works is hard, huh? It is hard. It's hard to look at your finances it's hard to look at your daily calendar it's hard to look and go how can i be sacrificial when i go out you ever leave the house and you just feel like i don't want people to mess with me i don't want to talk to people you know i'm just cranky you ever leave the house just cranky you know it happens okay and being able to go hold on how many days do you think in a four-year ministry jesus woke up cranky and don't say done okay don't be like jesus he never woke really I mean, he was a guy. I mean, it's not like he was just like, you know, Mr. Floating on Air everywhere. I mean, I would imagine you wake up and you're going, I just slept on the dirt. I don't have a place to lay my head. I wish I had a, a hotel to stay in, and I'm with these knuckleheads, right? And you know what's funny is, is we don't see crankiness as part of Jesus' character because there is a decision to be made here, and this is what's tough to understand. Because oftentimes we feel like faith is just this like personal thing of this assenting internal belief that we just kind of sit in, okay? And James is saying, actually, no, it's actually about the decisions you make and how you live. So when you're cranky and you go, hold on a minute, but I follow Jesus, he's my king, who probably woke up cranky periodically, 
Yet he served. Yet he shared the gospel. Yet he washed feet. Yet he was sacrificial. I mean, we do know as Jesus prayed in the garden, he was like, I don't want to do this. Like, if there's another way, please. We relate to that, right? I mean, have you ever prayed that? Before? Please don't let this happen. All right? So it wasn't like Jesus was playing hopscotch up to the cross. I mean, he's like, I don't want this, okay? But he's sacrificial. Faith without works is dead. Saying we have faith, but say, I won't sacrifice a thing. I will not do it. I'll serve. Yeah, I'll serve when you ask me to serve. Like nobody ever asked me to do anything. Have you ever said that before? Well, I'd serve if somebody asked me to do something. Man, there's needs everywhere of going in. I'm not waiting to be like service is about like needs and goods, but it's also emotional needs. It's also like looking around and knowing, man, who's uncomfortable? Who's new? Who doesn't feel good? Who's, you know, and just like, let me be that kind of servant wherever I go. I'll tell you this, man, that will probably turn your classroom and your workplace upside down just being that way, of just inquiring, how, what can I do? Can I pray for you? Do you need something? Can I go get this for you? Right? Faith without deeds is dead. Let me, let's go to a passage that hopefully will make us wrestle even a little bit more. Luke chapter 18, okay? So this is one of those ones, I'm telling you, we read it a lot. I've read it a lot. I skim right over it. It, does, it doesn't jive with what I want it to jive with all the time, so I don't spend a whole lot of time studying it deeply. Um, and you have this right here, the rich young ruler. And he's like, listen, man, he asks the question, Luke chapter 18, verse 18. Okay. So he asks this question that I got to believe most people in the world ask at some point, even if it's in their own head. Um, a ruler asked Jesus, good teacher, what must I do to inherit eternal life? What do I need to do to be saved? I want to go to heaven, not to hell. We all agree on that probably. Okay. That's something we all can be unified on. We're like, yes, sir. I don't want to do that. Okay. And he tells him, he's like, tell me, what must I do? All right. If this question was asked in America, we would go, Son, you can't do anything because you don't want to be legalistic. Listen, you just sit back and pray and accept Jesus, and you're good. <clears throat> Except Jesus said something that many consider to be a false teaching. <laughs> Isn't that weird that we're going to want Jesus taught this? And he says this. He, said, he doesn't say, go home and pray on your own and accept Jesus, and then if you feel moved, obey him. But don't let anybody call you a legalist. Don't do anything that would be spiritual because then you're works-based. Right? Isn't that a weird teaching? Like, no, actually stay sinful. That's going to be great because everybody wants that. They're going to be like, you mean you follow Jesus who in your life's a mess and you don't even want to change it? That seems weird to me. But Jesus doesn't say any of that. Okay, that's a sidetrack. Luke 18, verse 19, he says, first of all, Jesus says, why do you call me good? No one's good but one, and that's God. And then he tells them, here's the deal. I'll answer your question. You know the commandments. And he goes back and he gives them a head nice. He goes, you know the commandments. Right? He, says, uh, he says, don't commit adultery. Don't murder. Don't steal. Don't bear false witness. Honor your father and mother. And every time the guy's going like this, yes, yes, yes. I've done that. Yes. 
This is awesome. I love this teacher. He's the best teacher in the world. Don't do this. He says, I've kept all these, not just in the last week, since I was little. I've kept all these from my youth. And Jesus, then he says, well, you lack something. Faith? He didn't even say that. Isn't that weird? He didn't say, wait, what you lack is faith. He doesn't say that. He says, you've got to do something. You've got to do something else. Boy, wrestle with that. Okay, because I'm telling you, this is, there's so many implications on that. Because, believe me, this affects even how we reach the world. Because when we take, the, when we take kind of the Americanized view of the gospel, we say, hold on a minute. Salvation and faith is this private thing that you do on your own, alone, that doesn't require anything afterwards. And then we say, no, no, but I, won't, I don't want to reach out to people because then I'll be judgmental. Oh, man, that's, can you imagine the screeching halt that the kingdom comes to when that happens? Like, no, no, everybody's okay. Don't offend people who say they're Christians. And I'm pretty offended just by what James wrote. <laughs> James is talking to Christians. Like, that's the other side of it. How do we get like this idea that, well, I don't want to be judgmental. And I'm going, wow, every one of these guys that wrote it, I feel judged. <laughs> okay. Like faith without, what are you talking about, James? You judging me? No, I'm telling you the truth. All right. Faith without works is dead. And so Jesus does something in particular. He doesn't give them the American gospel. He says, you lack one thing. Go sell everything you have and give it to the poor. What is he thinking? What kind of church leader does that? You don't you won't have many followers when you're pulling that. Okay, you're gonna go sell everything. Don't you mean you're gonna give me everything? Because that's when you really start sharing your faith, right? When everything's good. Isn't that interesting that he says this? And I think that we've just got to listen this week. We got to marinate on that because here's the truth. You may have been a Christian for a while and you're thinking, I don't sacrifice anything. I spend my money on what I want to. I spend my time on what I want to. I decide on when I'm going to go and I'm not going to share my faith with anybody because I don't want to be judgmental. Faith without works is dead. It's useless, right? It can't save you. All right. You're following somebody, but it's not King Jesus. It's somebody else. That's a different doctrine. Okay. And this is where we've got to wrestle because there isn't a soul in here. Not one of us that go, dude, I got it all on straight. Nothing scares me anymore. Sell everything. Sure. I'll sell everything. There's not a, we're all in the same boat. Every single one of us. All right. And so this is the wrestling match here of remember, keep it simple. If I just start examining my time and my money, if I examine who Jesus is, and I look at my life and I'm going, am I about the same things he was about? Am I about those things? Or do I have a justification why I'm not? Like, oh, but you don't understand. Now, Jesus didn't have this opportunity of a job like I had. And I'm pretty sure Jesus would probably be better at any job we do. Okay? But the thing is, is how many justifications versus very simply going, my faith is dead. It's useless because I say I have it and there's nothing to show for it, right? We got to wrestle with that a little bit. Here's a, couple, here's a couple things. These two words have been coming up in my head the entire year. Just the practicality of this. How do you grow? How do you become more faithful? 
How do I, like, I don't want to stay that way, and you don't want to stay that way either. I want to get to a place where nothing surprises me that God does, that there's no instance that I'm like, oh, that could never happen. That's impossible. That person never could become a disciple. I don't ever want to, I want to grow to a place, and we all do, and it's really hard because if I were to ask you, how do you grow in faith? Like, first of all, faith is one of those things none of us has seen it, like, substantively, right? I mean, it's not a product that you buy. How do I grow in it? So there's two things that we got to figure out. Either I'm going to just hope I'm growing in it. I hope I am. And you know what's great about, about this little story here? It doesn't matter what season of life you're in, right? If you're in middle school or you're in high school or you're in college or you're at work or you're retired or something like that, this question will affect you is what does faith look like where I'm standing right now? What does faith look like as it comes into play with my friends? right? My ministry, my workplace, all of these things. And these two words right here. So back in when I was in college, I had a mentor in sports medicine and his name was Paul Schechter. And he was just like, took me under his wing. I don't even know why, but I mean, just kind of like really discipled me in life. Taught me about marriage, taught me about, taught me about sports medicine, taught me about all these things over years, over four years. All right. And one of the lessons he taught me was in every situation, learn. And you want to know what ends up happening, I think, as disciples? We think there are people I can't learn from. Right? I have to know everything. Every situation you walk away from, what did you learn? How are you the student? And that doesn't mean that you have to never, like, proclaim something with confidence. But it's the idea of, the heart of teachability is, you don't know what, there's a very good chance God is speaking to me through so many mediums. Yeah. And he's using people that I would go, he would never use so-and-so. He would never use this. He would never speak to me through this, whatever, you know. And going, when I'm teachable, though, boy, all of a sudden, God's voice is, like, magnified. Because I'm trying not to, like, just have everything on straight. I'm going, wow, there's a humility of being teachable. Well, I could never learn from this person. Well, they're a mess. I could never learn anything from them. I'm like, man, we are falling for Satan's trick at that point, okay? And it happens. <laughs> he gets in there, and he's like, oh, man, you know, it kind of puffs us up and makes everybody else like this competitive thing. But then there's the intentionality. I don't know if we can grow in faith if we don't take a few minutes in our day and game plan a little bit. Like, what am I going to, what's happening today? right? How am I using my time today? How am I using my money today? Who am I going to meet today? Who am I going to do? All that? I, like if without intentionality, it's kind of like maybe we'll win the lottery. You know, like you're just getting a quick pick every day and you're just like, I hope the numbers come up today. All right. Instead of going, hold on a minute. Most of us know there are certain things we can't, right, plan for. But in most of our days, there's kind of like a norm, of people, situations, places, right? There, there are decisions we know we have to make. And I think without intentionality and teachability, I don't know if we really can take a bite out of faithlessness, right? And so these are the things. I want you to play around with this in your own, in your own quiet times. How intentional are you? And I'll leave you really with two things, is the intentional use of your time and your money, all right. These are areas that are attacking us as Americans in terms of, um, you know, 
Am I being faithful in terms of being part of a community? And you think, well, that's easy. It's not easy. We live in a world that tells us individualism is primary above all else. So it's hard to be a giving member of a community. It's difficult. Am I being faithful like Jesus was? Okay, that's our goal. Am I teachable? That might be the easiest one to get going. Is going, I'm going to learn. I'm going to learn because I'm going to tell you, we've learned from young people. We've learned from old people. We've learned from non-Christians. We've learned from Christians. We've learned from atheists. We've learned from, and I think you're crazy to think that they don't, that people don't have something to teach. Okay. Um, so anyway, um, we're going to wrap it up on that. Um, like I said, next week we'll dive into another part. I think, it, you know, some of you may be going, hold up a second. This sounds like a preacher trick. Like, you're just tricking us into doing good things. You know, you're just going to trick us into being like Jesus. <laughs> okay? No, 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 no. Wrestle with this, and we're going to go and look straight ahead at what Paul writes about this next week as well. Um, we're going to take our communion at this time, okay? Now, here's the deal. Everything we talked about, you want to know what, can become very, very, like, impersonal. Just can be. We can get so focused on, okay, faith, 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 okay, faith, faith, and then we forget, hold on a minute, faithful in who? (laughs) And you know what makes faith, like, exciting? Is when the object of our faith, the person of our faith, is somebody we are enamored by, that we respect immensely. Different people talk about love differently, okay? I mean, the ladies, you talk about love like very romantically. The guys are like cavemen. They're like, oh, I don't, I don't love Jesus. He's the man, you know, and that kind of stuff. And that's okay, all right? But it's that idea of Jesus has to be our guy. Like no one gets in front of him. No one messes with him. That's my guy. That's the guy that saved me. That's the guy that told me to follow him when I shouldn't have been called. That's the guy who, who speaks up for me. That's the guy who covers my sin. That's the guy I'll never leave, okay? And that's what we, got, we have to remember because if not, we just start having faith in, like, faith itself. Like, oh, just faith, that's a great word. No, no, no. It's directed very specifically towards Jesus. And we're saying, not only will I trust you, and you've given us every reason to trust you, right? Any man that will willingly go and die and be tortured, he earns the right to be trusted. Any man that won't lie, any, he has earned the right to be trusted. And he's saying, not just, don't just trust me, be loyal to me. The, the Greek word tr- that we use for faith, belief, trust, it also means loyal. Okay, and Jesus is going, I want, you, I want your loyalty too. Not just your mind, I want your loyalty. Meaning, don't sell me out to people. Don't talk down. Don't be embarrassed of me. Be loyal to me because of how I've lived. Okay, so as we take our communion, let's think about that. Let's talk about it. Let's, you know, I mean, for me, when I think about loyalty, I think, wow, man, that's um, uh, sometimes really easy in the hopes of meeting, like, the world where they are. It's very easy to not be loyal to Jesus, too, to kind of water him down, to be embarrassed of him. 